Well, all of us remember a time in our life where we, we did something to someone that we shouldn't have, and then we were, we were forced to make an apology, but our apology really wasn't very sincere. Hopefully that happens more as we are children, not as we are adults. But the reality is the, the way I respond to someone when I offend them reveals the attitude of my heart, Right? For instance, I found some insincere apology notes online. I want to share a couple of them with you. Uh, A couple of them are from kids, so they're kind of hard to read. But here's the first one. Dear Brody, Miss P made me write you this note. All I want to say sorry for is not being sorry, because I tried to feel sorry, but I don't. Signed, (laughs) Liam. Hashtag sorry, not sorry, right? This next one, I have no idea what to think about this next one. Check this one out. I am sorry, Ben. I didn't mean to hurt you. I feel like crap. I love you, and I was trying to hit Chris. I hate Chris. I hate my choice I made. I really hope you accept my apology. When I threw the scissors, I was aiming for Chris. I hope you start to feel better soon. (laughs) That kid's got high-level problems right there. This next one uh, showed up on social media recently. I'm not sure if we should call it funny, but here's the next one. Hi, my name is Jack. I accidentally hit your car and someone saw me, so I'm pretending to write down my details. Sorry, Jack. Yeah, hopefully you've never done that before and you're not Jack here in this room. This last one is, is not insincere, but it is my favorite one out of all of them. Dear Olin, I'm sorry for karate chopping you in the privates. Doing that was wrong. Your friend, Eli. I like Eli. Whenever we wrong someone, whether we're a child learning how to respond or an adult that knows better, it really is the way we respond that reveals the attitude of our heart. And I'm aware that as we get older in life and we start to become experts at at hiding our sincerity, uh, but here's how this fits into the message today, how it applies to all of us. It's actually the big idea. If you want to write it down, it's on the screens. It's this. The way I respond to sin reflects the attitude of my heart towards sin. That the way I respond to sin, it, it does reveal, it reflects the actual attitude I have toward or with sin. Not just sin in general, by the way. We're going to be specific, but talk about our own sin. Yes, today I can sense your excitement in the room. We are talking about sin today. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I'm the lead pastor here, and and I'm just thrilled that that all of you are with us, including anyone who's joining us on video today. As we are finishing up week number four of a sermon series we've been in, last week of the series called 19. Before we dive into the conclusion of our series, though, I do want to let you know one more time, took a few moments here, and share with you about the sermon series we're starting next Sunday. We've been talking about it every week here in in this series, but we're starting a brand new sermon series next Sunday called Grace and Truth. In this series, uh, we are going to join the conversation that's already happening around the world today concerning faith, sexuality, and gender. We're leaning heavily into the LGBT conversation. And just so you're aware and kind of for the record, while we will get into what we believe and why we believe it, this series is not about making statements or declaring our position. It's not as much about 
our position in what we believe as it is our posture towards all people, including LGBT people, whether we uh, believe the same things or, or live the same way or not. We, we should know what we believe and why, and we're going to get into that. But more importantly is how should we respond with what we believe. There are some invite cards on every single chair, and I would love for you to take one of those invite cards, take one of the social media invites that we're putting online this week, and invite someone or many someones uh, to come with you to this series. On the back of the card gives you a little outline of the subjects we'll be addressing each week. Uh, The series is, is only four weeks long, so we are literally touching the surface of all of these subjects, and we're going to dive deeper into the conversation in many of our small groups. So the majority of our small groups are doing a 10-week small group study that will kind of dive deep into 10 different conversations around faith, gender, and sexuality. If you've not signed up for a group yet, not all of our groups are doing Grace Truth, but most of them are, and we'd love for you to get connected into a group and, and take your faith to the next level. We believe it will do that. It's not too late to sign up. You can stop by the small group table out in the lobby. You can go to our website, elementchurch.life, or the Next Steps wall out there as well. And I think we should all be a part of a group, regardless of whether we were doing this series or not. If you are an LGBT person, or you know someone who is that might want to be a part of the small group study, but you're looking for a more confidential or kind of a, a private group where you can share about yourself and maybe about what you believe kind of with some confidentiality, uh, we started a group just for you. So I'm leading it personally. It's 100% confidential. No one other than those who are, are in the group will, will know that you are, are even in there, and we're not listing it publicly or anything. So if you want information on the, uh, the day and time and place of that group, you can email me directly, Jeff at elementchurch.life. That will come straight to me. No one else uh, will see your email if you're interested in that. Lastly, if you are an LGBT person or you're planning on inviting someone who is, we all need to understand something, okay? Some of what we believe and what we will teach in this series or in the study, it might cause an LGBT person to feel offended or to feel as if they're being attacked. And I understand if that's how you would feel in that scenario. So let me say again, everything we teach in this series is going to be done with a tone of radical love and mercy and compassion and grace that Jesus modeled for us, while at the same time standing on what we believe to be a relevant truth. I don't want anyone showing up for the series feeling as if this were some kind of bait and switch to get them in the doors. We need to understand that. Uh, And if you're going to invite someone, uh, you might want to share the same sentiment with them as well, especially if you're uh, uh, friends uh, with them. And then also, we will not tolerate. We will not tolerate any bullying, condemning, dehumanizing, or criticizing someone for what they believe or how they choose to live out what they believe, right? Like if that happens, I want to know about it because I want to deal with that in our church if that happens. I would urge all of us to make it a priority to be here for the series, every week of the series, get plugged into a small group and and listen. We're not all going to agree on every detail. That's impossible. We're just not going to do it. We will not all embrace the same conclusion, but we can embrace one another. And that's what I'm praying for. Amen? That we embrace one another 
even in the disagreements that we have. So that starts next Sunday, February 3rd. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. We're finishing up a sermon series called 19 based on Psalm chapter 19 in the Bible. So every week, the last four weeks, including today, we're kind of taking Psalm 19 chunk by chunk and just kind of preaching through it every single week. If you want to get caught up on any of our sermons or services, they are all online. All of our services are. You can go to our website and watch or get caught up there. The way I respond to sin reflects the attitude of my heart toward sin. So here's the question I think we've got to answer. How should I respond to sin in my life? How should I respond to sin in my life? I think the key word to the question is my, because we're great at responding to sin in other people's lives, but we can't do anything about that. We've got to respond to sin in our, in our own life. And you might actually be thinking, I, I don't even believe in God. I'm not a follower of Jesus. Don't call myself a Christian. So how will this message apply to me? Well, I love it that you are here. And I promise you, by the end of the sermon, everyone in the room, regardless of belief, this message will apply to you in one way or another. So I just ask you to lock in with me all the way to the end. Psalm 19, 12 through 14 is the main scripture. So if you've got a Bible and want to turn there, you can. It'll all be on the screens as well. And if you don't own a Bible, we'll give you one for free. Just ask for one at guest services before you go. Diving right in here, Psalm 19, verse 12 says this. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. So the very first response I see from the scripture that we need to have towards sin is this. We need to seek cleansing. We need to seek cleansing. David said, how can I know all of these sins? Cleanse me from the hidden Faults. So what sins, what faults is David talking about? Well, the word sins that we read in English comes from a, a Hebrew word. And that Hebrew word, when it was written in Hebrew, does not mean that David was just walking around all day, every day, deliberately sinning against God so much, he couldn't even keep track of how evil he was. That's not what that means, right? Like someone who truly loves the Lord and intends to follow him does not do that. We don't continually, deliberately keep sinning against God if we are truly in love with the Lord. So the Hebrew word for sins here literally means errors. And every theologian I read studying for this message agrees that David here is referring to unintentional sins. In fact, the Christian Standard Bible, which is another English translation, so it was written in Hebrew. We try to get it into English as best we can, which means there are a lot of different English translations. Psalm 19:12 in the Christian Standard Bible says, who, who perceives the unintentional sins, cleanse me from my hidden faults. Have you ever offended someone unintentionally? 
Like your motives were good, your intentions were right, but somewhere along the way, like the train came off the tracks and you just offended them and you didn't even mean to do it. Ever happened to you before? I'll never forget the time when I was a youth pastor. The church I was at, the services just got over. We were kind of hanging out in the auditorium talking. I was with a group of students and then there was a group of ladies a few feet away from where I was. And all of a sudden, this woman from the worship team just makes a beeline across the auditorium. She was grinning from ear to ear, excited about something, walked right past our group to the group of women that were off to the side. I could hear what was being said. She walked right up to one lady in that group. She put her hand on the lady's stomach and said, I didn't know. The lady said, know what? She said, I didn't know you were pregnant. And the lady said this, so you know where this is going. Um, I'm not. That's why I hold to the standard that I don't care if she looked like she about to explode on the spot. You don't ever ask that question. And then when they tell you that you're pregnant, you just act surprised. Oh, I couldn't even tell. That's the only way to navigate that. Now, now, did this woman have good motives? Absolutely she did. I would say her motives were perfect. She was wanting to celebrate with someone what she thought was a reality when it wasn't a reality. But in fact, she unintentionally offended or sinned against that woman. We do that with God too. Not, not ask if he's pregnant, that would be weird, okay? But, but we do this with God where, where our motives are right. Our heart's in the right spot, we just miss the mark. We, we don't hit the bullseye of holiness. We don't live up to the perfectness of who God is. That, by the way, is the broadest definition of sin. Not living up to the, the perfect holiness of God. That in its broadest view is what sin is. Well, in that sense, we are all always falling short. We're always missing the mark of God's perfect holiness. Okay? So we have these unintended sins that we commit against God. David says, cleanse me of those. The second part of the verse, he says, cleanse me from my hidden faults. Literally, sins I don't even know I committed. You might call them unknown sins, or some people refer to them as sins of ignorance. Okay? In 2005, uh, Christmas fell on a Sunday, and the church where I was a youth pastor at decided that we would hold our normal Sunday morning services uh, on Christmas Day, even though we had Christmas Eve service the night before. And so we had our Christmas Day services. And, and uh, just to, so you know, when that happens here at Element, we don't do that. We don't have church on Christmas Day. And here's why. Because nobody showed up. <laughs> like there was very, very, very few people that came to church on Christmas morning. And if I'm being honest, if I wasn't paid and required to be there, I would not have been there either. Would much rather spend Christmas at home with my family than, than on on the job. And so, so on New Year's Eve, we were invited by a core family in the church to come over to their house for a New Year's Eve party. Some other core families were there as well. We hung out, we played uh, games, we ate some great food, and we were kind of sitting in the living room there that night. And someone in the group brought up the Sunday morning uh, Christmas Day service. 
Well, I was still kind of salty about the fact that I had to be there and other people didn't. And so I took the opportunity to get up on my pastoral soapbox and start going on a rant about how uncommitted people were to not come and worship on Christmas Day. Like I went on and on and on about how Jesus paid the highest price for our sins. And we'd rather stay in our pajamas at home on Christmas Day and open presents and not come celebrate the arrival of Jesus. You'd think I would have noticed the room got super quiet and awkward. I just thought everyone was impressed with my verbal diatribe on the injustice of not being committed to God on Christmas. So by the time I was done, which took a while, Someone immediately changed the subject and just went on with the night. I'm like, I must have proved my point. So the night ended, we said our goodbyes, we got in the car, and as soon as we were out of eyesight, my wife hit me. She's like, what were you thinking? I was like, what did I do? She said, Jeff, they didn't go to church on Christmas day. I was like, why didn't you tell me? And she gave me the look like, I'm about to kill you, right? Now, I probably shouldn't have said the things I said in the way I said it anyway, but I said it in the presence of someone it affected, in the presence of someone that it offended. If my wife would not have told me, I never even would have known. It was literally an unknown and unintended sin. David, though, he didn't even wait to find out. He just said, Lord, I I pray you cleanse me from the sins I don't even know I committed. I don't want there to be anything between you and me, God, so cleanse me of even my unknown sins. That's a good attitude to have, by the way. Just a desire to have nothing between you and God. Lastly, in this point, not only could this refer to unintentional or unknown sins, but many scholars believe it also relates to unconfessed sins. Sins that you've hidden away. You've not confessed them to God. You know you did them. You might have even did them intentionally, but they're just sitting there undealt with, unforgiven. John the Apostle in the New Testament says this, 1 John 1, 8 and 9, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. And that's true for all of us. For all of us in our humanity, there are unintended, unintended, unknown sins that we've committed against God that we need to cleanse from. So verse nine, but if, and the key word to this verse is if, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse, there's that word again, cleanse us from all wickedness. This is huge, church. This is huge. Without the confession of sin, there is no cleansing from sin. Without the confession that I've sinned, there is no cleansing from sin. Now, that does not mean that we need to stop every hour on the hour and confess our unintentional or unknown sins. It does not mean that you've got to try and figure out and name every single sin you've, you've ever committed by name. That's not what I'm talking about. Confession is an attitude. Confession is an attitude of the heart long before it's an action of the mouth, right? So is my attitude one of Confession, it needs to be, it should be. 
because without the confession of sin, there is no cleansing from sin. And listen, this is also huge and ties right in. Without the cleansing from sin, there is no communion with God. That when there is something between me and God, sinfully, it's not that I won't have communion or won't have relationship with God. It's that I can't. There's something blocking, hindering my relationship, my communion with God. I think this is why David made sure he prayed this prayer. Remember last week, if you weren't here, last week, David just got done in the previous verses talking about God's laws and his commands. And he goes right into and says, Lord, forgive me, cleanse me for any violation of those commands and laws that you've given us. It scares me as a pastor. It scares me. When I see people who don't seem to take sin seriously in their life, scares me. Because God took sin, all sin, so seriously that it took only his son Jesus nailed to a tree to remedy it. So if God took sin that seriously, I think I should as well. That the way I respond to sin reflects the attitude of my heart towards sin. So how should I respond to sin in my life? I need to seek cleansing from sin. Verse 13 then says this. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Different word. Don't let them control me. Then I'll be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. So the second thing we've got to do to respond to sin, number two is this, surrender control. Surrender control. This time, the word sins is a different word in Hebrew. It comes from a Hebrew word that means arrogant or presumptuous. It's like a high-handed sin against God, which is why the translators use the English word deliberate. It's this idea that I know what I'm about to do or I know that what I am doing is against the will and word of God, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's the deliberate disobedience of the known will of God. David said, there are some sins I need cleansed from, unintentional, unknown sins. Those might be outside of my my control. But there are other sins, he said, that God, I need you to keep me from these sins, deliberate sins. Don't let them control me, God. I want to surrender control to your spirit not to sin. The Apostle Paul, in the New Testament portion of the Bible, God, through Paul, elaborates on this idea of control. Romans 6, 12 through 14 says this, don't let sin control the way you live. Sounds like what David prayed. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So he's talking to those who believe. 
So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you are no longer under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. It's powerful. See, grace, grace is a powerful thing. But it's so much more than where we typically stop at with grace. You, you see, grace, God's grace, doesn't overlook all of our sin. God's grace helps us overcome our sin. That, that grace is so much more than just the forgiveness of sins. Does he forgive? Absolutely. And praise God, he's forgiven many in my life. But grace does more than just forgive us of sin. Grace has the power to set us free from sin's control. It's what Paul's talking about. It's what David's asking for. Yet so many Christian people will justify their own sin by talking about the freedom we now have in Christ. And we'll even quote passages like this one to, to prove the freedom they have in Christ. But don't be mistaken. The freedom we have in Christ is not a freedom to sin. It's a freedom from sin. From sin's control. I'll even hear people say this. I've been guilty of it, by the way. But we say this all the time. Well, no one's perfect, you know. And that's true. No one outside of Jesus himself has ever been perfect. But no one's perfect is almost always used as an excuse for our own sinful choices. When it should be used as an encouragement and an inspiration to drive us closer to Jesus and more like him, not further from Jesus and less like him. No one's perfect should be the statement that drives us closer to the only perfect one. When I recognize how much I need him in my life. This leads right into the last point I have here. The way I respond to sin reflects the attitude of my heart towards sin. So how should I respond to sin in my life? I gotta seek cleansing. That's like a, an attitude I gotta have. I gotta surrender control. God, keep me from deliberate sins. Don't let them control my life. I'll be controlled by the spirit, not sin. Then verse 14. This is a beautiful prayer, by the way. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Isn't that a great prayer? So the third way we've got to respond to sin is this. Stop conforming. Stop conforming. David, after talking about God's laws and commands, goes right into this time of confession. Cleanse me from these hidden faults, unknown, unintentional sins. Keep me from deliberate sins. Don't let sin control me. And then he said, may the words of my mouth, or in other words, my actions, and the attitude and the, and the, the meditations of my heart, or in other words, our, our attitudes, may they be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. David didn't say this, but I can almost hear him leaning into, God, I want to stop conforming to the world's way of sin. 
and start conforming to your way as revealed in your word by the power of your spirit. Stop conforming. Reminds me so much of Romans 12, 1 and 2. God, again, through the Apostle Paul, says this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Again, sounds just like David. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The way I respond to sin reflects the attitude of my heart towards sin. So how should I respond to sin in my life? I need to seek cleansing. I need to surrender control. I need to stop conforming. You could say start conforming as well if you want to have the positive language of start conforming to the pattern of God's way by God's spirit, not the world's way through sin. May the words of my mouth, my actions, and the meditations of my heart, my attitudes, be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It'd be a great prayer to pray every day. Challenge you to do that. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes if you would. In a sermon like this, I don't even need to list specific sins because the Holy Spirit's good at doing that individually in our hearts. You might be here today and you would say, I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I've put my faith in Christ. But man, one or more of these areas just hit home with me today. Maybe you're here and there's just some cleansing that you need to seek God for. Maybe you're here and there's, there's an area that you've kind of given up control to something sinful in your life and you know it, but it's time to surrender control to the Holy Spirit. Or maybe by the power of the Spirit, you just recognize, I've been conforming to some of the world's ways and I need to conform to God's way. So whatever it, wherever it's landed on you, if that's you today, and you want to acknowledge that, would you simply raise your hand and say, yep, one of those things just hit home with me today. So you want to raise your hand and say, that's me. Okay, hands up all over the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus for your Holy Spirit to do what only you can do. I can't change anybody. I have no power to convict. But your spirit, God, can. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask you right now to, to move through this room. Every hand that went up, even those that didn't go up, but they know they, they should have, Lord, I pray that for those who are seeking cleansing, Lord, I pray like David, would you cleanse, cleanse me of these hidden faults? Lord, for those who are surrendering control, Lord, I know the power of sin is great, but the power of your blood and spirit is greater. So Lord, would you give us that ability to surrender control to your spirit? And like David said, I don't wanna be controlled by deliberate sins. And Lord, for those who are just saying, I, I, there's some things in my life I, I need to stop conforming. Lord, would you give them the power and ability and strength and courage to make that tough decision? Lord, the, the current of, of the world is strong. And we need your help to stay out of that current while we still live in the world. So Lord, help us to do that, I pray. Maybe you're here today, though, and you've never actually put your faith in Jesus, 
for the forgiveness of your sins, for him to be savior in your life. This is how the message applies to everyone in the room. Because if you're here today and you do not believe in Jesus as your savior, it is exactly what he wants you to do today. It's why I believe he brought you to this place in this moment. Make no mistake about it. Jesus loved you so much that no matter what you've done or where you've been or what you've believed, Jesus died in your place, paying the penalty for your and my sins. He rose from the dead and now he reigns forever until he returns to rescue those who believe in him. And by faith in him, we are told, we can be forgiven of our sins, given a new life today and eternal life with him forever in heaven. If you wanna put your faith in Jesus today for the very first time, I'd encourage you to say this prayer with me. Just say it, say it silently in your heart to God. Nothing magical about these words. It's just like David. You're just, you're just talking to God who is real today. Father in heaven, I believe in Jesus as my savior. I believe he died for my sins, that he rose from the dead. And Jesus, I'm asking you now to live in me. Forgive me of all my sins. Everything I've ever done. I can't imagine how you do that, but if you're offering, I'm taken. Forgive me of all my sins. I'm gonna turn from my old life of sin now. I'm gonna do a 180. I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. By the power of your spirit, give me strength to follow you. Come into my heart. Live in me. I don't understand why you love me, but thank you. And by your help, I'll love you back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you just prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as, as Savior of your life, you are now among family because I've prayed that prayer in my own life. Dozens of people in this room have as well at different points. And we want to celebrate with you. And there's something powerful about acknowledging that. It was a private decision but now it's a public life that you're gonna live for Jesus. And we wanna be with you. We wanna celebrate and support you. So if you just prayed to receive Christ in your heart, uh, I'm gonna actually do something very bold, but very, very safe. Simply raise your hand up. Say, yep, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart. Would anybody say that today that you just asked Jesus? Praise God, praise God, praise God right there. Amen. Praise God in the back. I see you. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else say, that's me. I just asked Jesus. All the way in the back. Praise God. Welcome to the family. Amen. Amen. I see you. Welcome to the family, guys. That's awesome. Awesome. Praise God. Amen. Listen, listen, if you just prayed to receive Christ, it's the best decision you'll ever make. It's the hardest one you will ever live out. And you need God's help and you need the church's help as well. So we're going to come alongside you and support you. I'd love for you to mark on your connection card that you put your faith in Christ. We just want to know that and celebrate with you. And then stop by the Next Steps wall or guest services in the lobby. We want to give you a 21-day devotional. We wrote it just for you. It'll get you taking your next steps in Jesus, walking with him. It's a great tool to get you on your way with Jesus. Love you guys so much. So thrilled for those of you who put your faith in Christ. I'm going to say a prayer for us, and then remain still for a second. I've got two closing remarks. God, you are amazing. Lord, I thank you for the new life that was found today in you. Lord, I pray that those new souls that we would join together with them 
to continue to seek cleansing in our lives, to surrender our control to you, and to stop conforming to the pattern of this world. Lord, thank you for being so loving and patient with me and with us as we navigate life by the power of your spirit. We love you, God, and give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are new here, please stop by the living room on your way out. Love to see you over there. And if you have something you need prayed for in your life, we have a great prayer team all the way in the back of the room at the purple tent. They'll stay as long as needed to pray for whatever you got going on in your life. I love you guys so much. New series starts next week. We'll see you then. You're dismissed.